Attention, podcast listener. We've got an exciting new podcast coming just for patrons of patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1 has begun exclusively for our $5 and up patrons on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's the first 10 episodes of Futurama coming to you once a week. So just sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and you'll get Talking Futurama Season 2 and all of our limited miniseries, including the entirety of Talking Futurama Season 1. That's 13 episodes. That is patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Now please enjoy the rest of this podcast. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where Mega means good and store means thing. I'm your host, the silver dollar throwing morphine addict Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and I don't know how much longer I can complain. We'll see about that with this episode. And who is our special guest? Hey, it's Connor Lestoka, and I have Frog Exaggerator is constantly running. And today's episode <laughs> is Monty Can't Buy Me Love. All this commotion just for a store? Hey, it's not just a store, it's a mega store. Mega means good, and store means ding. Homer stole my bits. <laughs> Today's episode aired on May 2nd, 1999. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> Oh boy, Bobby, an F5 tornado kills 42 people and injures over 600 in Oklahoma City. John Elway announces his retirement from the NFL, and the very first episode of SpongeBob SquarePants airs on Nickelodeon, starting a new era of cartoons that we are still living under. Did they find out who started the tornado? Uh, no. They were not brought to justice. <laughs> no. Damn it. Yeah, but those people uh, didn't have to watch this episode, so. They, they were, so the entire city of o- Oklahoma City was probably saved from this episode, yes. <laughs> We we count on you, Connor, uh, as our guest for football information. That John Elway retirement uh, set yeah. any memories? He went out on top. He mm-hmm. uh, you know he 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 negated all the uh, the the Denver Broncos jokes and the <laughs> uh, the one where Homer's envisioning himself winning the Super Bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. They were you know a, a punchline for a while. They were like the uh, they were the Cubs essentially. So they uh, I think he won the last two years he played. So good for him. Yeah. And then he went on to I think later draft Tim Tebow. So uh, mm-hmm. you know he he didn't he didn't stay on top for for yeah. long. Oh well, we all we all make mistakes. And how about that uh, SpongeBob SquarePants still yeah. running to this day? And the third movie, Sponge on the Run, is coming out in uh, 2020. Yeah, coming very soon. Full of uh, all the I the, the CG anime. You know, I I prefer a 2D SpongeBob to a 3D SpongeBob, but the animation in the, that trailer for it looked pretty all right. It looks pretty good. And I like the tiny in the yeah the original SpongeBob SquarePants cartoon has that wonderful Tiny Tim song, which is probably playing under us right now. On the soundtrack. <laughs> and of course, check out our What a Cartoon episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. I think we recorded that right before Steven Hillenberg passed away, mm, the creator. Yes. And I think yeah. it was like right before. So yeah, he passed away last year. But mm. uh, the show is still going strong, and uh, I think it will, won't stop until we're dead. 
probably until they make a movie where the animation makes him look like a half melted good humor SpongeBob. I'm mm-hmm. not interested. Oh <laughs> boy, that's the ultimate evolution. <laughs> uh, but hey, welcome back, Connor Lestoka, to the show. Thank you guys. It's been a it's been a treat every single time. It's a good excuse to uh, rewatch Simpsons. I don't always rewatch. <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, let's get the promotion right out of the way here. You're coming to SF Sketchfest just like we are in January. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, coming back there for the, man, I don't know how many years we've done there for Rift Tracks, but this is the second year that I've been doing something that is uh, my own. So it's uh, yeah, going to be a awesome. treat. We're going to be uh, doing a show called The Internet Read Aloud. Uh, Ooh, that like is it. something that is uh, hosted by me and uh, Josh Frulinger, who runs the comic Curmudgeon, um, among, among other things. Mm. And it's a show that we want, did for the first time about five years ago in Baltimore. And Josh has since uh, taken it to LA. And uh, it's essentially the uh, the garbage that you find on the internet uh, presented uh, to uh, unwilling and unsuspect. Well, I guess they're willing, an unsuspecting <laughs> audience. So before we've done a series of uh, about uh, forum posts from a, a baby fur forum. That's that's furries who are also uh, adult babies. Uh, <laughs> we've done uh, Wikipedia entries as movie pitches. We've done uh, people have done improv off their entire show, and we've got a whole new lineup uh, this time with. Uh, Bill Corbett from Rift Tracks is joining us and a Ooh. couple other comedians who will be there. It's going to be a great show. It's uh, Saturday, January 18th. It is at uh, Piano Fight. I think that's the name of it. Oh, wow. That's our at- that's our uh, venue. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. We're there like five days after you, I think. So it'll be a good time. 10 p.m. January 18th. Come and check it out. And of course, Connor, you're part of uh, Rift Tracks, the great yeah. uh, riffing collective. Can you talk about what's coming up for Rift Tracks? Anything good, uh, especially yeah. holiday related? We've had a good month. We've had a, a movie starring uh, Steve McQueen's Loser Son. Chad McQueen. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm probably making that up, but that was a really good one called Martial Law. We just did one called Robo Vampire, which does not feature a Robo Vampire, but it is absolute madness uh, from Godfrey Ho, sort of the, uh, he's the, I don't know, the James Wynn of, of Kung Fu movies. Mm. And uh, we have we have a Christmas movie coming up called Feeders 2, Sleigh Bells, uh, by a, a group of DIY movie makers, to be generous, called the Polonia <laughs> Brothers. So uh, if you ever wanted to, to see a Santa who talks like Barney Gumble and it's not supposed to be funny, um, this is the movie for you. That comes out uh, on Friday. I think that's going to be the 13th. I always yeah. associate uh, Rift Tracks and Mystery Science Theater with great Christmas episodes, mm-hmm. and you have had some really good ones in the history of Rift Tracks. Some of my favorites. It's almost a decade old, at least the riff is, uh, Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. I think you uh. guys put that movie on the map <laughs> it's both, both versions of it yeah it's it's truly truly cracked it's uh, the day we discovered that is still like you know i i, I can't remember the day I, I met my wife but i remember the day we found <laughs> and the ice cream bunny it's christmas brings out the just people trying to make a quick buck i think so it's just yeah uh, they don't put much effort to it and just slap some stuff on screen as the hallmark channel continues to uh, to demonstrate i would describe it as uh manos the hands of fate but a christmas movie <laughs> it's that it level is. of professionalism yeah and uh and you know the kids may have been in more danger in uh, ice cream buddy <laughs> yes 100 percent. uh man well uh one well, connor you know i think uh, we've talked about your time with the as a simpsons viewer were were you regular with the show up until late season 10 like this one when it first aired yeah i had to look back and check so this would have been my uh right up nearing high school graduation so mm, me too uh there were there was episodes that i definitely watched and there's still good ones in this uh in this season leading up to it and i i probably watched until uh regularly until like my first or second year at college 
I don't recall seeing this one in real time when it came out, though. I think I, I flipped to it late, and Willie was talking to his parents, and <laughs> I don't remember when I saw. I, I definitely seen it again because I, I I remembered lines from it and 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 moments. But it, this was, I guess, when it had started to sort of become less appointment TV for me by this point in time. Mm. Well, up front, this is not a very good episode, but I do <laughs> like how on the record, on the commentary track for this episode, everyone is uh, ragging on it yes. completely. Yeah. Uh, well, it helps that they're extra punchy because it's their last commentary session for season 10 and they're trying to get out of there fast because Michael Bay's coming in to do wow. uh, Transformers ADR and they're like, oh, this new Transformers movie looks All great. Right. I just saw the trailer. Uh, boy, were they wrong, but they were right oh, about wow. this not being very good. Uh, so I would check out that commentary oh, if you have the DVDs, but also I think what this suffers from is um, I think they would often defer to people like George Meyer and John Swartzwelder mm. because they were the season one guys. Yeah, and yeah. I think this is an example of them maybe deferring to John Swartzwelder's wackiness a little too much by mm. letting it control the episode to the point where there aren't really stakes. It becomes a new episode in the third act. It's oh, yeah. it's all over the place. And um, they're up front with how much they were tired and how many, how much some choices they made were not yeah. very good. Well, for a showrunner, um, for every showrunner, the second season's harder than the first because when you're running your episodes, you're just doing the creation, the way animation takes so long that when you're getting to the end of season nine, though you're working hard, you're overseeing the writing and you're a head writer and all that but you're not doing as much post-production stuff but by season 10 you are doing post-production and pre-production on episodes concurrently and so like i could see them coming up with uh, going over this script while mike scully is also like checking on the sound edits for like the end of season nine or the mm, or the yeah. start of season 10 like there's a lot of exhaustion going around in this one i think and uh, a good indicator this is a troubled episode is that it has the full length opening and the mm-hmm. circus couch gag which saves you a minute and 36 seconds of uh, comedy time yeah, yeah is that a sign of padding that we've seen in the past a bit yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. actually like in the in the quote-unquote golden years Algene and mike reese would use the circus opening a lot because mm-hmm. their shows were always short yeah they were always short or it's also a sign of like if they animated you know the normal 23 minutes of content they cut more than they normally do and they're like oh shit we're low on time because we cut a a lot of crap let's get back out the circus opening that's all they got it they all they uh, the circus opening at least is pretty though yeah it's very nice it's always nice to see that as as the animation slides down in quality in these seasons it's nice to see some season four in there not quite as pretty when it's forced to be squished into a rectangle for your uh, (laughs) disney plus subscription though oh yeah they don't crop that scene it's like i'll squish you down into a rectangle We'll be complaining about this constantly until it no longer becomes a problem. So I'm sorry this conversation yeah. is dated. Well, that's why on this trip, uh, on our recent podcasting trip, which listeners are going to hear those uh, episodes for a few weeks, on that, we just had Disney Plus to watch and I fully experienced it. This time, I just took out my DVDs and, and watched it as a square again. It, uh, I, I welcomed back that uh, that four by three ratio. <laughs> it is amazing. I want, you know, you always wonder just like when it seems to the common man, like it should be like, just flip the switch. Flip the, you know, mm-hmm. do that. I, I wonder how much actual hours and uh, work and effort are involved into doing something like that yeah. to, to fix the problem that, that seems to us like it should be just a uh, an insta-fix. How many meetings mm-hmm. you need to have <laughs> at do, Disney? Yeah. Well, how many interns have to like drag and drop files into a thing? It, yeah, it's probably it's probably way more work than we can comprehend. Yeah, okay. but uh, Well, I was surprised when I saw John Schwarzwelder's name at the beginning of this one because, you know, obviously he's, he's the highest regarded person of all these people. 
people. And I've read a bunch of his his Frank Burley books and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I know that he's able to just pack things, you know, front to back with with more jokes than you think are 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 possible. And uh, and this one, yeah, just seems sort of sparse or phoned in or uh, just sort of you know like he was making the jo motion the entire time, <laughs> sort of going through the motions. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I when I do remember watching this live the first time. I it was one of the early episodes of The Simpsons, not the first, but one of the first where I was like, I don't think I liked that. <laughs> or I, the very least, didn't. I knew I didn't like the ending, but I was like, really? The Loch Ness Monster? Yeah. Really? I never liked this episode. It didn't help that. Uh, so I was working at a very, very depressing uh, basement job, like in the basement mm. of a bank. I don't know what my job was because a temp agency hired me after the company, after the bank was purchased by another bank. Mm. So everyone was just sitting around waiting for their jobs to end. And I was freshly hired to just fill a seat. Mm-hmm. And this was like one of three jobs I had in my lifetime where I was hired to do nothing but pretend that the workplace was real. <laughs> so I would just read books on Gutenberg.org. No one ever trained me. And I was just so depressed every day eventually quit the job because it was uh, too boring but to cheer myself up i bought a simpsons calendar and this was in the middle of like a bleak sunless february in northeast ohio and of course the image that was on the simpsons calendar for that february was this episode wow i had to stare at this all february long and then come home and drink a lot of gin and go to sleep at like six (laughs) o'clock so that was my life in uh in uh, mid 2007 that sounds wretched and you now you truly must watch feeders too because the uh (laughs) the, the my favorite scene in the entire movie is the guy's is the husband's basement job it, it's 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 truly delightful it's oh, the most man. depressing office computer setup you've ever seen his boss is full of rage that is unprovoked and hilarious so you'll you'll appreciate it more than more Ooh. than anybody Ooh. can i pre-order this riff tracks <laughs> <laughs> uh well and now i mean seeing the giant purple nessie probably really uh, uh hurts you in a special yeah. way bob I mean, yeah. giant sometimes, or sometimes. Yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But again, uh, it doesn't make it right. But I like that uh, some of the joy of these commentaries back when they were new was like, wow, they agree this wasn't good. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It was fulfilling. Yeah. It was a fulfillment of like an eight year long journey I had with this episode of like, am I wrong to feel I didn't like Nessie? And then once they finally get to the end of it and I just hear them admit they know it's a bad, especially a bad ending, and they're dumping on it, I'm like, okay. All right. A really fun one we'll get to soon is the commentary for Saddlesore Galactica, a famously uh, mm. disliked episode. It's Matt Groening's first time watching the episode, <laughs> and he likes it. Wow. He's in there saying, this is great. Why does why do people hate this episode? <laughs> uh, so there there you have it. I guess it's, we'll uh, see when that episode comes for us, how we'll feel. It takes all kinds, I guess. That's uh, famously the one about the jockeys that are actually a race of elves, which I guess is no crazier than seeing the Loch Ness Monster is a real thing live on screen, I suppose. Uh, now, I do like conceptually the idea of this episode of a classic old school billionaire like Burns versus this new era of fun PR loving billionaires. Like, yeah, that's an, that is a good starting place for a, an episode. And uh, we're living in the idea of them trying to push the good billionaire concept on us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah it's it's really taken on a different uh, watching it yesterday was like, boy, this is a uh, people don't feel the same way about these guys these days no no and i was looking up uh we'll talk more about richard branson i was looking up his fortune i was like only four billion they must spit on you at the billionaires club <laughs> uh yeah it's uh, it's it's 
incomparable to other billionaires. I think, I think two Simpsons, like this is them making fun of billionaires, but I think they even came to actually love the real life fun billionaires too much. Like they, in the future, will have on as real life guests, Branson, but also Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and Mark Cuban, like all, all of the trillionaires as the, uh, the term was. Uh, so yeah, I think they just got into like, I mean, later Simpsons are, uh, they really like famous people in later Simpsons. So it's just kind of a favor they did, but it's, it's a bummer for me to think that there's an entire episode about Homer befriending Elon Musk from like four years ago. Ugh. Yeah, see? It's just... Uh, <laughs> That's a sound you should make. Uh, but I guess, uh, I mean, let's start with the beginning of this episode. Uh, to really set this in 1999, there's several jokes in here that make it feel like 1999. And that includes an Antiques Roadshow opening. Yeah, a fairly new series. It started in January of 97. So wow, this was a fresh good. parody. Every, I think every sitcom writer was watching it with their spouses. And so it was like, uh, Frasier did a very long, a uh, whole great episode about Antiques Roadshow. I feel like every uh, many shows had antique roadshow parodies. In my mind, the greatest one of them all was the like short-lived Onion TV web series where they did Lake Dredge appraisal. It was it was tremendous. I mean, it's it's very very dry, but uh, it, it it goes in some unexpected directions. I, I forgot just... the Onion had an era of like snackable videos. Yeah, it was yeah. Yeah. Sex House. It was they were, they were both really funny. <laughs> oh, and also, I think this is the fourth episode episode in a row that starts with them just watching television yeah and then but i like that marge is like are you watching tv again so she's commenting on the last four episodes where it's like they get the idea of where to go based yeah, on the television that's true wow. that's true but uh, but yes here's the first clip and welcome back now to cash in your legacy this week we're appraising antiques in springfield this gentleman's beer tap dates back to the turn of the century and remarkably seems to have never been washed yeah, yeah, I've been meaning to wash that, but <laughs> it's been such a century. At auction, <laughs> I'd expect this to bring twenty to $30,000, except that on the handle, somebody's carved Homer Rocks. And I do! Woo! Appraised value, $15. Die! I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill him! Hey! Ah, oh, jeez. So yeah, he grabs uh, Skinner's musket, mm -hmm. and it evaporates in Moe's hands. Where Skinner got that musket from? It, it must be one of real Skinner's family heirlooms, mm. I guess. That's true. <laughs> now we know the dark the, truth. Uh, the tap was appraised so highly, considering it must be so rusty when it cut up uh, Homer's gums so oh, much. Yeah, yeah. Fucking on the end of it. <laughs> so I was looking mm. this up. There's a famous clip, but it was an Antiques Roadshow of just a, an antique breaking on the air. I think it was like an antique record or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, but apparently this does happen on the show. So uh, this article is a decade old. This is the most recent one I could find. Ooh. It's a Telegraph article. So the, it opens with, in a response to a request from under the Freedom of Information Act, the corporation admitted there had been 17 incidents of valuables being damaged by the show's experts or other staff <sighs> since the beginning of 2005. Scandalous. So just in the handling of these things mm. and, you know, under hot studio lights and all the uh, other things that need to go into making a TV show, things have been broken or damaged. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, person who had happened to the 17th time was to be like, my God, has this ever happened before? Like, surprisingly regular. 
Quarterly, actually. <laughs> you signed the waiver, right? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they, they must have to sign some waiver of like, uh, hey, if we, you can't sue us if something happens when the expert touches your, uh, your valuable. I, I mean, those Antiques Roadshow shows are fun. They always, just to see like how, to be surprised of like, oh, you thought this was worth $500? It's worth $30,000. <laughs> and, and then people do just cash in on their legacy and sell it off. I like when they ask them at the end of like, well, you going to sell this? And they usually are like, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's still running at uh, 817 episodes. So wow. slightly more episodes than The Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> just slightly. <laughs> And yeah, then they cut away from the TV to the uh, the family all being very lazy. It does. You know, in ages 10 to 13, my mom actually did get a bit of Marge here. And she was like, you guys need to be more active. Sundays, we're going to go for like a family walk. And we'd like drive up to... <laughs> First you uh, drive. <laughs> yes. Well, well, we would drive though to like a hill or something for a hike. So we'd, we'd do a, like a nice little nature hike. Uh, but I don't remember enjoying the hikes, but I do remember enjoying that we would go to Dairy Queen afterwards and we'd have ice cream, which does seem to invalidate the entire activity of the thing. Yeah. Let's undo this. I would go this. over to a friend's house like in the neighborhood, and but I would be given the instruction that I could go over there to play, but was not allowed to play Nintendo or computer with them, uh-huh. which is like, you know, it was uh, it was unenforceable, but it was it sort of loomed large <laughs> when you were still young enough to want to obey that. <laughs> but here the, the kids are so lazy, they can't even finish a sentence. I don't know how you can all just lay around the house on a nice day like this. When was the last time we went for a good old-fashioned family walk? Well, we stopped those when the kids said I was too fat to carry. Oh, come on. Let's go for a walk. This family's getting so lazy. I'm not lazy. I'm just, um, uh... Lisa, finish my sentence for me. Why don't you finish your own darn... Fine. If we're not going for a walk, we'll just talk about our day. I wrote another poem about a duck. Can <laughs> we go home yet? My feet hurt. All this fresh air is making my hair move. And I don't know how much longer I can complain. Still a horse! Can we march? Can we get a horse? We're walking, Homer. <laughs> There's some dogs. We could all ride dogs. Forget it. Nobody's riding any... There's a really cute uh, little animation bit where when Marge is reading the duck poem, Maggie is jumping up and down excitedly. Aww, She's into the duck I poem. Miss that. You, it's easy to miss when it's cropped by Disney Plus. Uh, okay, I, but <laughs> we'll I, stop talking about Disney Plus. I swear. Uh, well, uh, the detail I liked in the duck poem that I, maybe I was so distracted by the fun detail that Marge wrote her duck poem on a piece of paper shaped like a duck. Oh, I totally missed that. I did that, see the word <laughs> quack a bunch of times. Yeah, I was trying to get a get a read on what the duck poem said, but. I didn't want to rewind and go back. My favorite moment was uh, Barney yelling, get a horse. Because I remembered my, uh, my, my grandmother on my dad's side had a, like a bookcase when we would go up there to visit. And one of the books was like the only book that was suitable for me besides the peanuts books were, was called ask Henry. And it was from some like local 11 year old boy who got an <laughs> advice column in the paper. And uh, so it was just a collection of his columns, which, you know, when I was 11, I thought this was fascinating. Mm. And one of the, one of the people who wrote in said that like uh, her brother or, 
or their son was always disobedient on car rides and he would yell things to people in other cars such as get a horse so i guess this was like a uh, a 1950s heckle or something like that so it's a, it's a deep pull for someone on the staff it's the uh, name of the uh the oscar-winning mickey mouse short right yeah yeah, yeah. that's a really the, good one the, the 3d I, one from a few uh, about five years ago i want to go back to the to the get a henry archives to see if anyone asked him adult questions mm-hmm. like uh, dear henry i think my wife is cheating on me <laughs> with my <laughs> best friend yeah i found their underwear in my uh <laughs> barney really shouldn't be driving around though no. I, it's, it's weird to see barney driving a car it's yes. like well he's always drunk <laughs> that's the character they dump on marge so much in these seasons but i like that they at least show by now marge is learning to weaponize how boring she's written but like okay then i'm going to bore all of you until you go on a walk with me i like that marge has this creative outlet too of writing duck poems like just <laughs> and yeah lisa falling asleep mid-sentence and falling <laughs> off the couch that's funny i i like that it's good when lisa gets to be a kid occasionally yeah, and, uh, and in the next episode, Bart rides a pig. This time he's riding yeah. a dog. He's got his clothes on this time, though. Yes, it's it's even weirder him naked riding a pig in the next episode. And I like the animation of the dog chasing its tail until Bart falls off. That's That was well done, too. Uh, but yes, they as their walk continues, Homer also uh, really, really craps on Marge in this next clip. Well, look, there's the store where I buy my yarn. But you don't want to buy your buttons there. Phew, well, I dodged a bullet. Now, there's the place you want to buy your buttons. And that's where the bookmobile lady used to live. If you love me, you'll kill me. Hey, Mom, look. Ooh, looks like something exciting's happening. Well, we'll have to read about it in tomorrow's paper. Why can't we see it now? Well, it's not really on our walking route. <laughs> bookmobile lady used to live is a great escalation of boringness yeah <laughs> oh god that no one would care that she currently lives there now to say like nobody lives there now uh, i also like marge's i feel like i've been in marge's position too where i have plans that i'm starting to lose people on on like a group thing and they're like well can't we do something interesting and then i have to go like that's well, not really in the plans for today, though. I have to go back to like, well, we all agreed on these plans. Let's not cancel my plans for something more fun. Uh, the worst is when like people sort of hold that against you when they're, you know, people are like, I don't care. And then it, it, it involves into, into like a uh, Big Lebowski-esque, like calmer than you are type of thing. It's like, <laughs> I'm not I'm, I'm not in the wrong here. I, I, I'm the only one who's trying to do, to stick to the plan we made. We That's all made this personal plan. experience. <laughs> yeah. We all made this plan. Okay, come on. That's what you get for having friends. Yeah, <laughs> just don't do it. Uh, if friends in your late thirties, it's a mistake. It's just uh, there's no time for it. I have one friend I just had. We every three to nine months, we, we are still friendly and like each other, but we'll have this moment of like, hey, we should hang out. We really should. Uh, in the next two months, I'm not free. Me neither. Well, we'll make plans soon. And then... so you're playing a game of friend chicken, <laughs> racing towards the cliff. <laughs> Homer, man, I'm sad that Homer's so bored with Marge though, and he's just like, I don't have to. Pull it there, like, come on. <laughs> Some very blunt sarcasm. The Simpsons will be right back. Hey there, all you Macarena monsters. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. And a big thank you to our guest, 
Connor Listoka, please check out his podcast and all the other cool stuff he does at Rift Tracks and follow him on Twitter. Now, did you know that this podcast is supported by Patreon? I hope you do. But if you don't, five bucks a month not only helps me and Bob do this full time, but it also lets us... But we also, for that five bucks, let you guys get so many exclusives on the Patreon. You get to hear every episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad-free. The same goes for our sister podcast, What a Cartoon. And there's so many exclusive miniseries you could also be listening to at five bucks a month. Currently, we are just wrapping up our newest miniseries, Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 1, where we talk about the first ten episodes of the second production season of Futurama and... And if you signed up now, you get to hear all of our previous miniseries too. Talking of the Hill for the entire first season. The first season of Talking Futurama and Talking Critic where we did the entire Critic series one at a time. You can hear all of those if you sign up at five bucks a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Arthur Fortune lives a life of luxury, and so could you if you sign up at the $10 a month level. That special level lets you get our monthly exclusive What a Cartoon movie podcast for me and Bob, only for our $10 a month patrons. Talk about a different animated feature film in explicit detail. We go over the history, we go scene by scene, and we tell you how it all came together. Our one for December, Iron Giant. So many folks who worked on The Simpsons worked on Iron Giant. And on top of that one, you'd hear the entire year's worth of previous ones we did. You could hear us talk about Toy Story, Nightmare Before Christmas, Cowboy Bebop the Movie, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a Goofy Movie, Aladdin, and so many more. You should really consider signing up at the $10 level to get all the previous $5 bonuses, plus that extra exclusive one a month. So please check it all out at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. But yeah, this is when we roll into the uh, the parody of the Virgin Megastore, which, um, mm-hmm. I mean, these were huge, and of course, the internet uh, killed it because it's, you know, brick-and-mortar retail, but I think they were more of a big city operation. I never was in one in my life. Maybe when I was in no, L.A. I don't think so either. I think when I was visiting L.A. at this time in 1999, I think I did go to one, and mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I'm in the thing they made fun of, but uh, <laughs> so now... Used to be a huge brand. Uh, now only 40 locations remain exclusively in North Africa and the Middle East. Yeah. So. That's, uh, that I feel like there's some some off-the-record story about why those are the only ones to still exist. That's like but. when you hear about how there's like a Garfield restaurant in Dubai. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> why yeah, why uh, Dubai? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess the uh, maybe maybe they just prize and honor virginity more in the uh, oh. climate. <laughs> our, our values were lost, which is why the Virgin yeah. Megastore had to close. <laughs> Well, also like uh, Richard Branson, I, I feel like in the late 90s, that was when he was starting to become a celebrity known in America. Like he's he was known in England, I, I think, for much longer because like Virgin Records was his I believe that's what made him really rich. And like they they signed the Sex Pistols and Culture Club and a bunch of like 80s bands that, that made him very rich. And then he uh, even before he came to America to do a bunch of stunts, he would do crazy stunts 
stunts about he's opening some new venture or he's uh, you know drive the english channel or something like that uh and then once he started extending his brand to the u.s then we started getting all of his stupid stunts yeah and also uh, virgin airlines which just closed recently mm-hmm. just shut down i mean i would fly them semi-often because were it was still like a fart tube in the sky but they tried <laughs> to make you think it was cool mm-hmm. and i did like that i did like the lighting on the plane i like the little areas you waited in they t- they tried to make it a little classier but one thing i hated about virgin airlines and weigh in on this in the comments if you've seen this before i was flying them a lot in one period of time and they had a uh, too clever safety video where it's just Dear like God. choreographed dancing a little girl raps not only is that bad after the video plays you watch a making of the safety video Ugh. there's a doc uh. mini documentary about how they made the safety video yeah that girl really rapped have they no decency it was excruciating and so maybe they deserve to die maybe uh, but i did yeah, like I those did, blue I lights like when people use you know like just they when people who who work in something that that where it sucks and everyone knows it sucks such as an airport or an airline and there's you know there's the one group that's like what if this didn't suck you know what if what if we had restaurant options at this airport that weren't sbarro and you know chilies to go it's always just like oh yeah that could that could work that's so crazy so i i, I do tip my hat when people when people try to improve our lives slightly in that respect well we just flew southwest and they're the suckiest bunch of sucks who ever uh, sucked i i dislike delta more but uh, i mean well uh, well our flight yesterday was bad yeah I, well i think um the open seating system of southwest uh is a psyop I think yeah it i think it also saves them like 20 dollars per flight like we don't have to figure this out it's up to you fight amongst <laughs> yourselves <laughs> and boy do we it's uh yeah i mean i i don't know you have any airline preferences uh, uh you know i might southwest i have always had good experiences it's, i think it's like ten dollars extra to get the early bird and to not have to deal with the you know the the swine in section c so <laughs> that will be reveal my bias there i i i, I kind of wish other other places did that but now we live in burlington so it's a uh, small airport and it's like the first one to get canceled so my 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 preference is to have a credit card that has uh travel insurance because we've had like five opportunities to use that with flights getting canceled for no plane or winter and it's uh it it, it makes you appreciate it makes you go into like sort of a crazy mode where you're like save every single receipt and duplicate it because they want to screw you out of an opportunity at every <laughs> given thing but uh oh, I'm, so. f- I'm finally earning points through an airline and it feels great i'm waiting to escalate to i'm uh, one of those like ruby platinum uh you know <laughs> iridium passengers like big oh zone four really <laughs> john hodgman's uh, new book is all about that medallion status oh, oh yeah that's a good i i've heard good things i maybe i'll get the audiobook at uh as a holiday gift perhaps yeah. but he talks about my two favorite san francisco corgis chompers and linus in it so mm, I, I need to look into these corgis in san francisco <laughs> but yeah so they they head across the street to this giant party that's happening uh for the celebration of the opening of a fortune megastore it seems illegal to me for a clown to just serve alcohol to people <laughs> on the streets but uh homer looks like he's uh remember that one that guy got, uh, guessed his weight and age in, oh, yeah. uh, Lisa <laughs> the Beauty Queen? he looks like he's 56 <laughs> or something like yeah, that. yeah i guess he should uh he's the noodles should feel safe that's a funny uh, as far as clown names go noodles is a funny one to i pick. approve of that yeah. but yeah this shows how much things have changed now because like richard branson got rich off of the well among other things these virgin megastores and now jeff bezos is like worth like a hundred richard branson's for having no stores and not trying to be cool or sexy or anything uh but uh, yes we head into the megastore and there's this really you know kind of impressive camera scan across the whole store i will say uh, there's no jokes in that but it's a very well done like 360 uh pan across the room back to homer so it's just one really long piece of art Mm mm-hmm 
that they're panning across. Really nice. And uh, then there's a Homer butt scratching joke that's like, eh, meh. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, that feels like a you to see that in like a Home Alone movie or something. I don't know. Didn't Tyranovision show us that before? Oh, yeah. It's actually, yeah. His uh, He needed to zip up his fly in one of those trailers. Oh, uh, yeah. That might have been yeah. in like uh, d- 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 Dancing Homer. Two, yeah. yeah. XYZ Homer. <laughs> well, exa- why should I examine my. Oh, <laughs> him scratching his butt. Uh, though those cameras are pretty good too. Even they catch up the sound of him scratching his butt. That <laughs> close up. We'll also talk about like weird editing. Like it's a real hard cut to bark going whoa from homer scratching his butt oh yeah and then there's another joke that's like this could have been an episode gag they say that on the commentary i like how if you're watching this for the first time you could think oh it's a poo versus the fortune megastore episode (laughs) at least if they needed to fill out time more they could have had that as a b plot you know but i guess the joke just is apu is ruined by the fortune (laughs) megastore and he never recovers right just like the monstro mart yeah yeah actually i think Right around this time is, uh, no, it's it was the season before, it was 98, of the Megalomart exploding, and it yeah. was about Hank losing his job because of the Megalomart as well, yeah. Uh, uh, my favorite gag was, I mean, I don't know if it's upcoming or I forget the chronology, but just, it was something very small, but they... Everyone approaches Homer for money, and he's but he's sitting in front of one of those, you know, uh, like Best Buy walls of TVs, watching a monkey playing the banjo, uh, <laughs> which is just, you know, dude, it was a, a classic touch that I appreciated. Something that might be, uh, you know, on the inside of his brain in another episode. That's Mister Teeny too. Oh yeah, I, I missed. I missed that. Was what was distracting him so much from handing out money? Uh, thinking back to how poor the Simpsons were written in the early seasons, having Homer's wallet just have all the money necessary. They've is- Sports in season three. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's true. <laughs> and then comes the joke that took me a really long time to get uh, in my teens, which was that uh, auto listening to the music. Like, I yeah, didn't, I, yeah, it's uh, it's just not done very well. And even on the commentary, yeah, was, they're like, yeah, this didn't really land. Yeah, it was just confusing. I, I again wanted to go back, but didn't. But uh, he's listening to Judas Priest. But you can hear it. But then when he's saying the new music is no good, run me through it. So Otto is, as always, wearing his own headphones, which... And when he walks away, it's revealed he is listening to Judas Priest. He has headphones over his headphones, and he says all these new bands are just trying to rip off Judas Priest, meaning he's listening to his old Judas Priest music, but thinks he's listening to a new song mm. that is the Judas Priest song, so he thinks the new bands are ripping off Judas Priest. It's a, a, it's a clever idea, but it's just too hard to communicate quickly. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, yeah. And like this time, I really sat down and thought about it. I was like, okay, that's the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I, I get where I get it, but, uh, it's, it's really complex, especially like you only, they paid for a real Judas Priest song. That's the Judas Priest song living after midnight that plays in his headphones. There's some real eighties metal in this first act. (laughs) And just think how much money they paid for that, like original Judas Priest recording for you to like hear it low in the mix for like four seconds. (laughs) It's very complicated that joke, uh, though at least finally they got, some use out of Otto's character design always having headphones on. It's maybe the first time they've done that joke in like a decade. Yeah, when the headphones actually turn on. Yeah. 
And then comes a joke that uh, I'm glad we've got Connor here for because it it's a joke about a crappy movie and oh. commentary over it. <laughs> how uh, how synergistic? Yeah, sadly, <laughs> it's a movie I've never seen. I I never uh, I never had a uh, an Irishman esque chunk of time carved out to watch The Postman. Mm-hmm. I was privy to this being watched twice in one day. Uh, it was uh, my stepdad was laid off, and it was like we were snowed in, and I was just playing on the computer and he had nothing better to do so uh, he had rented the postman and hadn't watched it yet so he watched it and he's like oh this is really good and he watched it again so he watched oh it twice wow. in like one uh, very very long uh, day wow back to back well hey, uh, yeah that was just it was you know before there was really the internet or anything you just had these movies that were punchlines from like the day they came out and they never had a chance to redeem themselves so that this was a uh, this was one of those because i i've liked kevin coster and a bunch of other stuff but i remember when uh, i never have seen the postman i just remember when it came out people were like uh i think it, it was the christmas of 97 so it was like 18 months after Waterworld, and when mm-hmm. people heard about like kevin costner in the lead of like this another post-apocalyptic film i think people are really turning on it instantly from there and seemingly a real this, it's project. substantially longer than Waterworld. So. yeah yes. it's uh two uh sorry two hours and 57 minutes so <sighs> not quite your Boy. irish man but i uh, did like uh i did like their decision because i was i was thinking i was like the, the guy sounds nothing like them he sounds like a like a generic businessman uh on the simpsons like the 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 lindsey nagel uh, counterpart mm-hmm. but then i was like how do you how would you do an impression of kevin costner and it's like he's one of those guys that's pretty down the road down the middle of the road in terms of what you could isolate and heighten about him i, I don't know how it would work dan did him in an earlier episode that oh. I, I remember was all right like he, what was the what was the joke uh, oh it was when milhouse plays Waterworld the game in springfield files He's uh, just so uh, just nondescript. He's like that's why I became a, a movie star. Just like you, you project your own fantasies onto yeah. Kevin Costner and your own <laughs> wishes and dreams. Uh, and he and he still stars in like three movies a year. He's still a very busy actor. Yeah, I wondered Connor why there was not a Postman riff tracks, but I think it's because it's three hours and just boring, right? Yeah, I mean, I think in the early days, like I think we got Waterworld asked a lot, but it was like, does anyone really have a DVD of Waterworld sitting around? <laughs> so like, I, I think yeah, the Postman just would have been a would have been. A, even more of a disaster and then god forbid if you queued it up to uh your dvd of il postino and then we're like why does nothing even match up here that would have been a disaster <laughs> but i like this is like one of the fir- probably the first no the first joke about dvd commentary i ever saw possibly yeah. the one that ever first ever aired on tv yeah dvds being fairly new at the time like two years old yeah this is also like the simpsons first ever dvd joke even let alone the commentary joke and uh and i think it's ironic that simpsons joke about dvd commentary completely misunderstands what a director's commentary is like as in it's like a picture in picture view of the director i mean when they were getting ambitious and when they were like we could do anything with commentary there would often be like video commentary like the Mallrats dvd had that and and the goonies did too like a little window would pop up and you'd see like segments of the recording as it was playing which Mm -hmm. when they realized no one really cares about this they didn't spend (laughs) money on that anymore but they used to but i love that lisa's line um i've heard this really sucks you hear that at the end of the episode after the credits uh, over the gracie films they knew it yeah. that's right yeah uh well here let's uh, let's hear the landmark first director commentary joke this is so much nicer than the quickie mart mm, i'm sorry but mm, it really is 
Yes, I know, but still. <laughs> hey, Dad, give me 50 bucks. I gotta buy some things. Uh, better make it 100. Yeah, me too. Homer, don't you think you're spoiling the... <laughs> New music. Man, all these bands are just ripping off Judas Priest. Ooh, I hear this really sucks. <laughs> hmm, director's commentary. I'm sorry. I am really sorry. Ugh, ah, I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, Field of Dreams was good, wasn't it? Made us all believe again. Oh, poor Mr. Costner. He tries so hard. Ah, oh, thanks. You're sweet to say that. Uh, where are you? I'm back here. Hi, will you bring me a sandwich, please? <laughs> no, no crusts. Oh, <laughs> no crust for Costner. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that also, that gag feels a little family guy-y to me, too. They're like, oh, Kevin Costner's just really there. Or, or also critic-y, actually. Real critic-y of yeah. having this, the real-life celebrity there, and uh, also taking a pot shot at a movie that everyone agrees is bad, so it's kind of an easy joke. It's safe, yeah. Yeah, safe, yeah. Not not easy, safe. It reminds me of how, like, Ishtar would turn up in Far Side cartoons and stuff, so mm. I was eight years old, and I was like, this must be the most loathed movie in in the world and nowadays people are like no that was good it just got a bad rap the first weekend yeah yeah ishtar was a punchline for the longest time same with like joe versus volcano yeah nobody ever taught like no one even thinks about that film anymore <laughs> uh then we right after that go to a joke of bart uh killing children with his train <laughs> penny uh i like the i mean the animation on the tiny train wreck is is good there and there, I, there was no twist on it other than the fact that it worked you yeah know? it's yeah. not supposed to work i guess <laughs> yeah i did uh i did a train penny or two in my day because uh i lived right across the street from some train tracks so me and my friends oh, which would, side of the tracks henry uh the good side okay the good side. <laughs> but <laughs> uh but yeah we put them on there and then come back uh the next day and hopefully find like a a squished nickel uh that i had a real prized one of those that's a federal crime (laughs) but the nickels are so thick they're fun to squish yeah this was a sting henry sorry this is (laughs) the entire podcast long con of entrapment yeah it's all been leading to this get them boys Uh, uh, Also, the train driver looks like Gil's younger brother. Oh, (laughs) that's a story we we could tell in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think it's really they just miscolored Gil in the designs. (laughs) That's when Burns arrives in the episode. He's on his way to close down an orphanage, which that's a funny thing for Burns to arrive with. I noticed twice in this episode, he says, deploy something like, and so he starts with deploy the cow catcher, which transforms his car kind of like Batmobile style, <laughs> uh, into having a, what's at the front of a train, which also this yeah. comes right after that train joke. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, uh Schwarzwelder could have been a foamer. I think that's what they call, uh, fans of trains. Oh yeah. He's, uh, I, yeah. I would bet that I, I mean, I know, uh, Bill and Josh are no, Josh is a big train fan josh weinstein of the uh though he's off the show at this point did you see that recent uh cover news story of rod stewart's collection of trains oh yeah yes yes no yeah sorry oh he's just a big model train fanboy uh that rod stewart is which that's you know if he's going to be trending for anything these days i'm glad it's uh i'm glad it's model trains they were (laughs) uh mike scully's era was very light on burns Mm. i'm trying to figure out what the last burns episode was that i can't remember in his era because i think the stories they wanted to tell in mike scully's era were uh talking about families and you know their own family experiences and also making fun of television which they did a lot (laughs) in his era and how bad it is but they didn't have room for burns huh 
Hmm. Yeah, no. And well, and then when he shows up in later parts of the Scully season, it's usually only when they can partner him for a disgusting story with Homer. It's like they they made him more of a gross character than an evil character. And uh, I mean, Burns transforms from the musty old man who references things to uh, oh the the Cuba episode that was yeah the last trouble time with trillions we saw him. yeah so like which uh, again he just appears in like the uh, the last forty percent of it really it's like a, it's much better than this one though yes this is sort of like i don't know i don't know what the difference is but he, he seems sort of de- defanged to me or on the on the verge of being defanged or he's literally he's not you know he's not as as 100 evil he's more more incompetent i guess mm-hmm. he's, um, he's needy in a in lot this. of aspects of this yeah <laughs> well he didn't put in his fangs today yeah that's true <laughs> now he does electrocute people he does do that yeah but yeah all of his cruelty is really at the front of this uh uh but yeah they i do think it's interesting though right after he gets caught on the cow catcher he's then electrocuting people and uh in this next clip you can hear uh, if you've watched no disgrace like home recently uh it's the same sound effect and animation i like that ref step lively smithers that orphanage won't demolish itself sarah although i do enjoy your loud excessive honking it doesn't seem to be moving the crowd deploy the cow catcher Once again, my underwear has become tangled in a cow catcher. Huh. Oh, tarnation. I've got to see what the excitement's about. Make we! Doctor coming through. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. About me, good sir. Well, hi, deadly. It's a good lead. It even has a sound of the button, like the bu- like the buzzer. Yeah, which yeah. <laughs> I, I think they just wanted to pull that from like their sound files or something because it's it's identical. They are making that reference for sure. Yeah, which that's we fun. used to watch a uh, a series of videos that this crazy old like ninety year old psychologist would do. Uh, I forget his name was Lauren something L O R E N, and uh, he his his whole theory was that he would uh, he would talk up your problem whether it was like chronic cold hands or sexual guilt or something, and then he would hit a buzzer that sounded exactly like that, and he would say this. Disconnect, disconnect, <laughs> disconnect, and that was supposed to just uh, that would that would make you not want to use heroin anymore. Was him hitting a buzzer that sounded like that and saying disconnect? Ooh, it's almost like geez. the spankological protocol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think Ned is the one. He, the reason he passes out is he's instead of like being zapped in his arm or back, he gets it like right on his heart, which <laughs> yeah. I think probably causes him a a brief heart attack. I think. But he's a 62-year-old man, like he or 64. He's he's not going to survive that. Though I guess Agnes gets zapped too and she's uh, she's relatively yeah. fine, but we she's a tough old bro. We don't see her again, I don't think, but uh <laughs> Well, then when they enter the room, Burns is like, "What's next? A talking banana? Like that's just a little too monkey cheese for me. I don't yeah. like that." Yeah. I, I like that he What do you mean by monkey cheese? But I, I saw that and I was like, "I don't understand what I'm missing here." I, I kind of like the uh, angle where he's waiting to see it and then sort of wistful that he won't. So that's his own like private uh, wish to see. Like. Uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I guess when I say monkey cheese, I mean the random combination of silly words. Yeah. Just saying like, what next? Monkey cheese? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just easy silliness. Like a ninja pirate is here. Right. But, sure. Yeah. It, it was a, uh, it, that was one where I was like, yeah, I just feel like this was either a, the first draft or the placeholder. 
you know, insert the better joke later. And then it was like, yeah. eh, you know, yeah, life, love day's fine. It's the end of a season. <laughs> Let's go with the first draft. <laughs> and then they introduce uh, the made up guest star of the episode, Arthur Fortune. Uh, I think with Quimby introducing him, that means that he gave Arthur Fortune a lot of tax subsidies to uh, <laughs> to come to, to Springfield. Uh, Arthur Fortune arrives in a hot air balloon with Alice Cooper's mil- uh, billion dollar babies playing, which again, expensive, expensive little reference there, but ju- the, the type of classic rock that Mike Scully loves. Uh, and him arriving in a hot air balloon is a direct reference to Branson in uh. 1995 and 1998 attempting to go around the world in a hot air balloon. And in both cases, he failed. That's why uh, they were referencing a then fresh Richard Branson stunt with him. Yes, let's hear the first lines from old Arthur Fortune. Attention, good shoppers of Springfield. Someone very special has just entered the store. The world's most popular billionaire. Oh, please. All this fuss for little old me. Please welcome the owner of Fortune Megastores, Arthur Fortune. a lot of exciting things in my life. I went down Mount Everest on a boogie board, climbed Niagara Falls, and just last month, I knocked out Muhammad Ali. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the biggest thrill ever, the opening of my 112th store. I love the joke about him assaulting a retired boxer. Yeah, who's, yeah who's, and I was uh, trying to remember what the timeline is of him and his. Uh, that was definitely in the throes of his uh, Parkinson's because when he lit the torch in Atlanta in '96, he was you know shaking as he held it up. So oh yes, yeah, Ali was it. Uh, he was a very infirmed old man then. Well, this billionaire is a monster. <laughs> yeah. You can't get there without being one. That's my favorite joke. Actually, I'm going to give that line of the episode. I think Marge's because, reaction is good too. Yeah, yeah. Well, because she's the only person who seems to realize like. This is wrong to uh, sucker punch an old man. That's the joke. But uh, everybody else celebrates it, and he's he's proud of it. It's also like you can tell he got a film crew to like follow me there. I'm gonna n- ring his doorbell and then just punch him right in the face. Pay off the police. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean he can do whatever he wants. Uh, but uh, now classic Schwarzwelderiness of of climbing Niagara Falls—that's pretty good. Yeah, go- yeah, going down Mount Everest instead of climbing it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> up, up, a, down a mountain and up a waterfall—that's pretty good. Yeah, I think his craziest stunt, the closest one to that I could find in a list of like crazy stunts Richard Branson did, was like bungee jumping off one of his four hundred foot tall buildings. Like, eh, I mean, that sounds exciting. On the commentary, Matt Selman said, "If I was a billionaire instead of just a millionaire <laughs> i would quit my job and go somewhere where i would be very uh, you know not likely to die mm, yeah that's what you figure but uh well i mean these days richard branson is just like uh barack obama's retirement buddy like that's mm, what they are they're windsurfing uh, yeah. while the world burns having all types of fun uh and yes in real life richard branson has appeared on the simpsons three different times this is right after yeah. i right after i stopped watching so i missed his uh the decade of branson for the simpsons <laughs> 
god was he just like <laughs> you uh, know I'm, I'm i'm available i'll be around i'm on call like i you know i wonder as a british person if he just loves the simpsons because i think per capita british citizens love the simpsons more than american citizens i watched it on me sky <laughs> uh but well the- i like the uh the uh when they're they're cutting to uh the people cheering at him punching muhammad ali and doing all this stuff there's a guy in the audience who's i don't think i've ever seen before but there's a guy who's like he looks very strong but he's also got like bart's lucky red cap on backwards he's Whoa. in the very front of the audience he's a he's a weird springfieldian huh. <laughs> oh i think uh i think i recognize that guy i think he might be he looks a little like nelson's dad i think just slightly uh Bob, oh, bob's pulling it up on frankiac here i think it might take a while but <laughs> yeah here, well uh while bob looks at it let me quickly say yeah the branson his first big episode was in season 20 where he was part of a cadre of billionaires who appeared in the show it was him and mark cuban and mark zuckerberg and i believe they were like teaching lisa how to be like an entrepreneurial success i think he had briefer appearances in season 22 and 26 which it's like i don't know the the third time branson shows up it's just like get a new get a new rich guy you know yeah really that's a uh that's a weird thing to give nobody who was asking for it <laughs> uh maybe he did ask for i think if you're famous enough and you ask they'll they'll give it to you as a oh i meant the, the loyal viewers <laughs> oh oh well yes yeah, yeah. this the, that guy in the front is pretty distracting like a burly guy who looks like nelson's dad in bart's yeah. colors with a red hat backwards it's uh, it's an odd background <laughs> character so arthur fortune is beloved by everybody who other than marge i guess and then he's gonna hand out dollars which that's a great gag of just like the extremeness of the charity and how little <laughs> that is to uh to a, a billionaire uh, and i like homer just storms the stage for two whole dollars it gets called young man yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like i don't know give me it's funny to see Ned get zapped again, but I'm more most laughing because he uses like the old term poor box. Poor box, <laughs> and, and that feels like Schwarzwelder. That's a hundred dollar bill he has. It's drawn as a hundred, so oh, uh, yeah, they goofed up yeah. there. Poor box is uh, I've I've heard it from uh, Friar Tuck in the Disney Robin Hood. He's uh, when the sheriff robs from the poor box. He's upset about that. Yeah, hmm. that was the last. Uh, yeah, that's right. I I that's the only place I think I've heard the term poor box. Actually, I think like. <laughs> A Christmas Carol had some mentions of poor boxes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very. I guess it's weird to hear poor box said by somebody with an American accent. I think. And also, like, Smithers is here supporting Burns at the store, but he vanishes after Act One. Like, he's not involved in any of this stuff. Yeah, he should be a part of the uh, overseas adventure. Yeah, I feel like once Burns says, are you still here at the end of this act? Like, Smithers just goes, he goes home. I guess I'm leaving then. (laughs) He should have been like, yeah, tracking down the Florida skunk ape or some other uh, crypto or something that (laughs) Uh, usurps Burns at the end. Love that skunk ape. It's uh, He's underrated in the cryptozoological world. I think we've come up with three... I think we've had three better pitches for this episode so far. (laughs) (laughs) Apu dealing with closing his store, Smithers helping them. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback on writing a show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But everybody loves Archer for Arthur Fortune. Burns is jealous. He's he threatens Smithers to start a conga line and he can't do it. Uh, He's I'm guessing he got shocked right after the next scene was of her. Yes, Burns the next night is still not happy. Greenfield is still swooning from the whirlwind visit of playful plutocrat Arthur Fortune. Oh, the man has no idea how to behave like a billionaire. 
Where's the dignity? Where's the contempt for the common men? <laughs> this new breed of fun-loving billionaire is a welcome change from the classic joyless miser brooding in his cavernous mansion. Bah! 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 <laughs> Grasping a glass of brandy with his thin, claw-like fingers and a superior smirk on his greedy, soulless face. <sighs> I thought I had everything. Money, good looks... Strong, sharp teeth. <sighs> but what's it all worth when nobody likes you? I like you, sir. Are you still here? <laughs> He's not even talking to Smithers. <laughs> Just having a monologue. Uh, I do like the drawing of Burns there as his evil uh, billionaire look. It's very, his, yeah, uh, very Grinchy. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Both landed on Grinch. Yeah. Uh, I, it's not the first time he's looked like a Grinch in the show. <laughs> So, yeah, the line about the money, good looks, and strong, sharp teeth, I was like, I, I, my theory was that they just, they sort of like more embraced the rule of the comedy rule of three in these in these later seasons, and mm. but just didn't bother to make the third one particularly funny or anything like yeah. that. It, it, I, I always try to put my finger on what I find different about it, and I feel like stuff like that where it's like, money, good looks, yeah, placeholder, we'll punch <laughs> it up later, and then they just used it. I don't know. Yeah, that could have been a, a more a punchier third joke. Like the yeah. fun, the comedy option should have been better. Yeah, he should say. I mean, if he thinks he has it all, he could like mention like some special dungeon he owns or like yeah. a crazy Ferris wheel in the back. Be or... proud of the forty times he uses the bathroom every day. Yeah, yeah. thirty-seven <laughs> members of Parliament. I don't know. Uh... <laughs> I killed uh, some famous person. Yeah, he could. Uh, uh, this is just a lot of us pitching jokes here. Uh. <laughs> I, I one thing though. Burns doesn't realize about the th new class of billionaires is they still do hate the common man. They just hide it better than he yeah. does. Yeah. They make cyber trucks for you to <laughs> <Exactly>. explode in. <laughs> yeah. Or Jeff Bezos just kind of looks down from you from his spaceship. With his evil eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an evil eye. Check it out, folks. It's gross. <laughs> the, uh, oh, and the, so then we come back from break. It, it feels like another like season one callback of Homer wearing his safety gloves and dealing with carbon rods too uh the the juggling it's a, it's a fun gag i guess you're wondering what he's why he's bothering to pick up three of those at once he's being careful because he's trying to juggle <laughs> and uh then burns accidentally sexually harasses homer i need your help i want to be loved i see well i'll need some beer i want you to look at me the way i saw you look at arthur fortune Oh, Arthur Fortune. <laughs> <sighs> yes, that's the look I'm looking for. What would make you and your slovenly kind look at me that way? Well, you don't have to call me slovenly. Yes, exactly. That's the kind of pointer I need. Tell me more, fatty. <laughs> hmm. oh, this is a great idea, Simpson. Free silver dollars. Compliments of C. Montgomery Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, put it back! Put it back! That was a close one. Wanna go bowling? Maybe you should see a doctor about that cord in your brain. Maybe you should mind your own business. Afternoon, miss. Oh. oh. 
I do love that. All the uh, all the Lenny damage that happens during these uh, late Scully seasons. Mm. Uh, the spring in the eye. Are we like pre-spring in the eye or is that next? Mm, that is before this. Okay, so yeah. we're recording these all over the place. But we just saw the spring in the eye. Now we have the, the blood fountain with like the garden hose foley. So much blood. Yeah. It's shocking to see so much blood outside of a Halloween episode. He doffs his coin. He rolls with it. He's That's like, I guess I doff my coin to you, ma'am. <laughs> I wonder if that sort of mayhem had happened when uh, J.D. Rockefeller was tossing them out of his blimp and Grandpa was picking them up. You know? <laughs> hey, yeah, this is another boy. Yeah, you can you can find an old joke over and over again. That really is like, yeah, <laughs> drop coins on people. Uh, and I had a big old wash tub. That's, nobody's got their big old wash tub here. They could have gotten yeah. a lot of money. Well, we've evolved past the wash tub. <laughs> well, also, Homer and Burns having this... Uh, this makes me feel like it foreshadows Homer versus Dignity of Homer yeah. and Burns having silly, uh, uh, pranky stuff together. And uh, Burns like knowing who Homer is at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. They're just a couple of chums now. I mean, this this also gets into like the more jocular feel of Scully seasons. That they're like instead of Burns being his weird, crazy boss. Like, what if Homer and Burns is like we're team, we're a team, and just yeah. like did silly things together. I, I do love Burns, but I feel like the element missing is Smithers. And Burns' ignorance of Homer, where uh, he'd be like, Smithers, find some man to make me more marketable. And you're like, mm. I'll get Homer Simpson, sir. He'll screw it up completely. <laughs> and that would be the plot. But Smithers, is, he, he did uh, leave, as we saw in the first act. He's like, yeah. I'm not still here. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. In my notes, I had written out, like, you know, Homer is juggling carbon rods for no apparent reason. Burns seeks out Homer for no apparent reason. But I guess it was just that he saw him on stage, you know, making googly eyes at uh, Arthur Fortune. So that was the that's the pretense for why he's he's seeking out Homer of all the people. It's very <laughs> thin okay. yeah it's a little thin yeah i yeah i think uh you know i'm trying to think back to the first time scully might have discovered his love of like homer and burns just being pals i think it is in pin pals the uh the bowling episode when they they joined a bowling team together it is that is great though it is great i like yes, seeing yeah. burns with the common man <laughs> uh with his leprosy dro- uh, dropping fingernails and <laughs> in, in beer <laughs> And yes, Homer does briefly consider having sex with Mr. Burns because he's uh, scared of being fired. So he's like, I'll give it a try. He does need beer, <laughs> but he'll meet him halfway, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I, I think, yes, that Lenny Payne, too, is just like they realize, I think it's just the writers fell in love with the sound of Lenny screaming. They're like, this is funny to hear him screaming. Uh, then we get to billionaire beats like a tiger beat gang and that uh, Burns is seeing he's not in the 10 most popular billionaires that adam sandler is in there which like i don't know it feels weird for simpsons to even mention adam sandler that again feels yeah. a little criticky he was at the height of uh sandler dumb this was yeah. uh what a water boy water boy probably uh we were like pre big daddy big daddy yeah mm-hmm. yeah i uh, know he was he couldn't do any wrong he was on a real hot roll i mean he still gets to be in everything and like uh, now we need to prepare ourselves for like adam sandler could get nominated for an oscar with the <sighs> kind of buzz uncut gems is getting that yeah could, it could be oscar nominee adam sandler soon every 20 years he's in one good movie <laughs> that's uh, all the energy he's got but 
Uh, celeb net worth, though, still says he isn't a billionaire. He's only worth $240 million. God, so boring. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's he's worth that much because he knew, like, oh, I need to produce the films, too, not just star in them. Like, he's he was right to start his own production company and uh, that make all his friends be in all his movies for all time. It's got to be sad to find out you're no longer his friend when you're not given an easy job in his movie that films in, like, Monte Carlo or... Maui. I have to heartily recommend the uh, the We Hate Movies podcast about I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. not aware of how vile that movie is, but no. uh, they, they really have fun taking it apart. It's great. I never saw a movie in theaters. I was... Uh, it shows you how much times have changed that the film was like, well, your protagonist can just say the... It can say homophobic slurs yeah. the entire movie and it'll be normal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was a... Uh, I was a big Adam Sandler fan because I was at the right age. I had the first oh, two yeah. CDs and everything, but it's been a, uh, you know, it's been a, a grim times, I guess. <laughs> the 21st century has been rough for Adam Sandler. I'm looking forward to Uncut Gems, though. I got to say, I kind of, I want it to, I, I, it feels like a good just one-two punch of old dude movies to have that and the irishman together you can just see I bet, especially because they're both like autobiographical crime things where i feel like uh in both cases things are going to be explained to us quite a lot in voiceover by an <laughs> old man huh. but homer talks burns into doing what all rich old coots do which is make a bunch of donations late in life to buy their way into heaven um there's it's a kind of funny joke that Homer's pants explode with the uh, the giant bill unfold or check unfolding in his pants. And I think my favorite non uh, vote non dialogue joke in this episode <laughs> is the po- the cricket poison button. I was thinking about that too. Mm-hmm. I also like the uh, the statue of Homer at the hospital. Yeah, with the children <laughs> at his knees. <laughs> they built that. They made that statue real fast too. That was like overnight statue building. Here's a question I have. I, I wrote this one down because I, I agree that the cricket poison was a, a very good turning that trope on its uh, on an unexpected direction. But this one I wrote down is like, explain this one to me. He says uh, a charitable donation. Huh? Well, there's a first time for everything. But the way he hits charitable made me think that it was that that was the thing as opposed to a a charitable donation. Well, there's a first time for everything. So interesting I, yeah. maybe he's hitting charitable because that's like the one kind of donation you can make like a donation well, implies that like you're giving for the sake of giving oh, which is charity so yeah, maybe. he could be giving to the uh you know he could be giving to the republican party of springfield or something he's been yeah. doing that for a while yeah we saw we saw him he's a member with that vampire in, uh, <laughs> inside show bob roberts so again, it was just the sort of thing I was like, why am I thinking about this? I shouldn't have to think about what they meant, these, yeah. these wealthy comedy writers. Like, come, yeah. <laughs> come on, Harvey boys. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Burns uh, demands his kudos, uh, but he isn't getting them because Homer accidentally took all the credit for it. Uh, though it's funny, Homer is uh, still surprised that he took all the credit when it's like, how they made a statue of you. At some point, you should have realized they... <laughs> thought you were giving the donation though also i think it's on the hospital because like the check is on montgomery burns's account and everything like his he signed it like they should know it was him giving the two hundred thousand dollars burns then goes home to the simpsons and he's he's full of morphine <laughs> and uh trying something new wait a minute because i brought the check they named a wing after me <laughs> Oh, you must be mad. Well, I will be when the morphine wears off, but until then, dee 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 dee. Yeah, I feel bad. 
If people knew the real Monty Burns and not the silver dollar throwing morphine addict you've become, they might like you. Yeah, if you want to change your image, you gotta get your face out there. Oh, on the radio. That's it, the radio. I'll go on the most popular program of the day. I assume that's still Don McNeil and his breakfast club? Oh, give it the times, man. It's Jerry Rude and the bathroom bunch. Oh, I don't think Mr. Burns would like that show. What's the matter? Think I'm not hip? I don't have enough vodio do. Then they just stare at him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did want to point out that uh, Don McNeil's Breakfast Club is real. Mm, it's a wow. radio show that ran from 1933 to 1968 with uh, Don McNeil. And here's a clip of the uh, the intro song. Oh, boy. Which uh, Don McNeil kind of talks things his way through. <laughs> from the clouds room at the new Hotel Allerton on Chicago's Magnificent Mile, we invite your family to join the millions of families from coast to coast and around the world and listen to America's favorite, Don McNeil and his Breakfast Club. And here he is. So the band People Cake were stupid. Yes, they were. <laughs> and the band Cake would later steal that talk singing shtick for their own <laughs> massive lawsuit. Uh, it reminded me of uh, the uh, the I think you should leave sketch with Tim Heidecker where he keeps talking about the Col- the Colgate Hour and uh, Roy Dawn. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, oh that is one of the best sketches, and that whole that the whole season of that is great. I can't wait for more of it, but that might be the best. But yeah, the I should have known Don McNeil and his Breakfast Club was a real thing. That's that's the closest to a classic Monty Burns joke in this episode. Yeah, uh, bringing up an and old thingy, Vodiodo, which oh. is like uh, <laughs> scat singing associated with the. Charleston. These are all like twenties <laughs> references, but yeah. So up next is a is a strange Howard Stern parody. Yeah. And before we get to that, the, uh, there's a visual joke oh. that, of course, we we cannot see as a uh, as a listener to this. But when Lisa says if you can just get your face out there, and he turns around, and it's like a weird Ren and Stimpy sort of close up. Yeah. They find that like the morphine caused that, or like he's got like red red veins in his eyes, and I'm not sure what to make of that. I think it's a result of the morphine and also him being a hundred and two year old man, hundred four year old man. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he. He always looks like a lizard, I guess, is the implication. If you were to actually look at him, I, I wish it, you know, when you say Ren and Stimpy, I wish it had the Ren and Stimpy like, like shock sound yeah, effect. Like <laughs> a, a painting of Burns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, you know, now when I think about how Burns is out of character this entire episode, I can, uh, I can just tell myself like, well, he's full of morphine for the rest of the episode. And that's why he acts so crazy. But yes, shock jocks, yeah, right? It's, it might yeah. surprise our listeners to know that uh, I know an incredible amount of information about Howard Stern and his radio show. Wow. When I was a kid, my uncle was way into him. Uh, his radio show didn't play in our area, but my uncle would listen to him a lot when he was uh, driving his trucks around. Uh, he was a truck driver. Listen to the truck driving Homer episode, whatever that one was. Homer mm-hmm. to the max. No, maximum Homer drive. Yep, that that's was it. The right one. And he would, uh, you know, get way into Howard Stern and bring home, you know. So via my uncle, I, as, as a very little boy, I read Private Parts and I read <laughs> Miss America and I found out so much about the world and sex and other things and celebrities and i watched the e-show and uh, i just got very much into the whack pack the the gang of uh, crazy people sort of like tim heidecker would have a a better version of that in the future a less exploitive version kind of (laughs) yeah in the future but just like finding these weirdos to come in and do their weird talents and i recommend you go out and find it it's very available now but 
that um, because after Howard Stern moved to Sirius, they did a uh, oral history of his show that's just like dozens of hours of clips of interviews from the show. And just like oh, okay. every year they would do like another f- like two or three years of the history of the show. And those are really easy to find. A lot of it is like a bad, a lot of bad homophobic and transphobic and racist sketches that uh-huh. do not age well. Yeah, but um, it's always fun to hear him as an interviewer, especially uh, as a non-millionaire, a non-out-of-touch millionaire. Because recently, as of this recording, uh, Hillary Clinton was just on the show. And it's just like, he's just agreeing with the most establishment Democrat. Like, who is Howard Stern now? Yes. Yeah. Times, times really change. The first thing he would ask in 1993, if we were in the timeline, he'd ask about Epstein up front. Yeah, yeah. Or he did the very least ask her about, like, what was your first gay experience? Like, uh, Jerry Rude does yeah. in this episode. But, uh, I mean, enough about Howard Stern being out of touch. I like, I don't like this parody because it's like, it's not a commentary on Howard Stern. It's not like a really a parody. It's just like, here's our character doing similar things. Mm. Yeah, it's not, not, nothing is criticizing or, or really turning it on his head. It's, it's easily things that you could, you could have a quiz of being, was this something from the Simpsons parody or actual Howard Stern? And I probably wouldn't have had a, too much of an idea. <laughs> yeah, it's not even like a heightening or there could have been a joke like, well, actually, Howard is a serious intellectual. He wants to ask about this. There's no mm. like twist on it. Just like, it'd be funny if Burns is on Howard Stern and Howard Stern won't be on our show. So let's just have uh, Michael McKeon come in and do yeah. a Stern impression. I mean, Michael McKeon's a great uh, actor. I think it was it was fun to hear him return to the show. Last heard in the Auto Show. Yeah, and uh, when he came in to do the voice of uh, Jerry Rude, is that the character's yep. name? He asked like, "Which Stern do you want?" He did like a bunch of different Sterns from different eras. Ah, that's yeah. cool. That's good. Hey, I, I didn't realize Jerry Rude is is funnier than you think. It's uh, because it sounds like very rude. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One more thing, Baba Booey. Ah, Bob just left the room. <laughs> he got out of the room. It's, uh, this entire five years of this podcast have been a prank just to say yeah, just Bob, to you and do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I watched. I did uh, didn't have Stern in my area. Uh, I didn't have a relative that was into it. I did. In, in my late night viewings, I'd uh, more often I'd be watching MTV or Comedy Central, but I'd pop over to E and check out the, the Stern show from time yeah. to time. Thanks to reading private parts when I was 10 or 11, I knew an incredible amount about disgusting sexual acts and mm. depravities. It's like, I feel like I, I was very worldly thanks to that book. <laughs> this it is your wh- internet before the internet. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why like sexuality was ruined for our entire generation by all of these things. Yeah, you're right. Jerry Rude is just like, I understand why Jerry Rude never returned because he's just a real like just down the middle kind of joke like he uh, I mean he, he's there's not there should be a joke at his expense or something too or or he should surprise you in some way by doing what he does but he in in uncharacteristic to Simpsons writing style he's just what you expect him to be as as a shock jock uh, a shocking disc jockey yeah. as Scott Ackerman would say <laughs> I had shock jocks in my area. I, I I liked listening to a couple of them then in in your edgy teen years. Yeah, yeah and I mean, if you don't like Howard Stern, there are the the sub Sterns are so much worse. Like oh, Bubba uh, the Love Sponge, Bubba yeah, the Love Sponge, awful. Bob and Tom. I'm sure you had your regional Sterns. They were all mm-hmm. just like stealing his bit, basically. <laughs> 
the way that he gets, you know, the, the question he asks Burns and then Burns' description of his first gay experiences is just talking about sub, sub Stern, this is a sub Simpsons, just like it's something that, you know, Joey and Chandler might have encountered or, you know, and what is yeah. the worse show than, than Friends that would have been on at the same time? It's, it was the just sort of like, guy, oh, I guess, man, you, I guess everyone was doing that, but you're, you've got to, you know, strive to be better than that. Yeah. Although yeah. my friend and I, when this aired, did quote the, I had my share of wieners that day joke. <laughs> we had a, quite a few laughs about that joke. Uh, it's, it, it is more uh, jocular than Simpsons normally is. Yeah. Actually, it's, uh, I, I've got the shock jock in two parts here. Let's hear the first one and this clip. Thank you, Nick Knack and Patty Wack. The Siamese midgets will be sure to catch your new series on Fox. Good luck, Mr. Burns. And if you get in trouble, I wrote some jokes about how white people are different from black people. How you doing, Mr. Burns? Jerry Rude. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm pleased to... All right, let's get this geezer out quick so we can bring in the lesbian gladiators. You see, white people have names like Lenny, whereas black people have names like Carl. <laughs> now, Mr. Rude, I just want you to know I'm a good sport. If you want to make fun of my legendary love of cashews, <laughs> you have at it. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, how many times a day do you go to the can? No, oh, about 40, I suppose. When are we going on the air? We're on the air now, Skeletor. What? Question two. How long is your wiener? Seriously. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? Uh, people should know how long his wiener is. It's it's the nude portrait is uh, on display <laughs> right. in Springfield. I gotta say, Nick Knack and Patty Wack are no high pitched Eric or Beetlejuice or yeah, yeah. Gary I... the R word. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah, both yeah. of those are things that are uh, not preferred uh, nomenclatures at this point in time. Yeah, things changed a lot in twenty years. See, I only knew the Wack Pack for when they'd appear in other things because they they did turn their celebrity into like, well, we can appear on things without Howard. We'll just get hired for it. I like, think uh, Hank, the angry drunken dwarf, was the like he uh, was elevated the most mm. by uh, back when like you know magazines and other media things did not understand the internet. They're like, let's have people vote on the sexiest man alive. Oh yeah, and yeah. people voted in Hank, the angry drunken dwarf. Maybe it was another magazine, but mm. that's when they learned like we, democracy doesn't work. <laughs> uh, well, Beetlejuice made a number of appearances in pro wrestling as well. Like I, I got to see uh, Jeff Jarrett smash a guitar over his head and just leave him like uh seemingly legitimately knocked out and oh yeah uh, it's also r.a.p crackhead bob oh god boy this uh listen uh, i know too much yeah. about this no, I know. <laughs> seems like it. uh i do like that uh, that homer the tease that homer has jokes about the differences between white people and black people and it's just about how he, he has two friends that have different names <laughs> that is the one joke that has persisted from this episode that's what people have uh, carried with them from this episode it's a very funny joke and i do like homer's uh act out of like oh, it's going right over your head like zoom, zoom. That's good. Yeah, and also, I mean, Howard Stern loved him some lesbians, too. He, he I think a uh, few episodes went by without him asking a woman if she'd... Well, actually, I guess uh, he'd ask anybody about their first gay experience, like in this next clip. All right, how about this? When was your first gay experience? Oh, well, when I was six, my father took me on a picnic. That was a gay old time. Hoo-hoo, I ate my share of wieners that day. Oh, that sounds lovely. Queer. Queer. Um, ever murder anybody? Murder? Well, mistakes have been made. Monty, I've heard you're a pretty flatulent guy. Any comment on that? No, no, see here. Stop that. Attention, wireless listeners. Most of the sounds you are now hearing are not being made by me. Do stop, stop. Won't someone please stop the farting? Duh! <laughs> 
don't worry, folks, he's not dead. I still hear some faint sounds of life. It's just a bad Stern bit. I, yeah. I think Stern's bit would be funnier. He wouldn't have just <laughs> farted. Like, he wouldn't have just hit a fart button a bunch of times. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, Burns Burns is being offended by it or embarrassed. Seems out of character, too. Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't even... Destroy I, him. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. And also, like, right. Burns... Yeah, have the Rolling Stones killed type of thing. <laughs> also, I feel like, yeah, Burns wouldn't even know the word fart. I don't know. That feels like too yeah. current era for Farting, him. Yeah, I, I gotta say, the Animaniacs had a better Howard Stern parody because uh, Robin was in it. Yeah, yeah. And she was an actual right. Robin. Yeah. Well, I also, I got to think Harry Shearer did not like saying the word farting. Like, won't someone please stop the farting? I, I got to think the normally grouchy Harry Shearer was like, oh, I got to say this, huh? Really? I got to I gotta record the show today. That's real comedy, people. <laughs> also, it's it's still shocking to hear the word queer said on Simpsons as like a slur. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's shocking. I, I mean, there's, I get where the comedy is there that Burns being so old doesn't know what the word gay means in a modern context like there's a kernel of a joke there yeah yeah yeah. but it really is just so a guy can call him gay in a a gross way Uh, i don't know i still laugh that i ate my share of wieners that day but i'm very i'm very immature sometimes (laughs) i i like that burns is proud of how many you know hot dogs he ate that day that was (laughs) though i mean this kind of thing of billionaires appearing on uh, the modern day stern type shows not just stern but like uh, their Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, the Rogan podcast gets its share of billionaires. And they took up and very embarrassing uh, pictures yeah. are taken. Musk, uh, Musk got uh, toe, toe up on that show. Yeah, which uh, I get. I liked Joe Rogan better when he hated all pod instead of being like the guy who tells you how pod <laughs> is the greatest. It's the one guy who was more appealing as a straight edge. <laughs> <laughs> I I hated hearing Burns say farting. Like it just doesn't feel right that his yeah, character would it seems say. Seems like that. if you had a chance, you know, if you were if you were going to keep that in your quiver and you're going to deploy it, you better have a, a damn good reason to do it and mm. just doesn't uh, doesn't seem earned i don't know yeah uh, i think we should start the uh, episode with stop all the farting <laughs> <laughs> uh, <coughs> well, um, thank you not for pulling out the uh, the fart button for me that would be oh, that would be no. that would be just as embarrassed <laughs> as him that would be uh, I, I don't think i could recover from that i'd probably collapse in a heap like he did we're, we're not a zoo crew <laughs> <laughs> uh i well also you know if i want to if we want to say why burns is out of character this episode he did die briefly and so maybe <laughs> maybe his brain is uh you know he suffered a bunch of brain damage from his brief death there uh when the lesbians gave him cpr and resuscitated him uh i feel bad for those lesbians having to like kiss like give the kiss of life to mr burns of all men that's uh haven't those poor they're already probably being exploited by jerry rude by being on his show and the fox network yeah yeah. then uh burns is brought back to life and uh He's run out of ideas, as as the episode has at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked down because I, I all I knew I was like, this is the Loch Ness monster. When I looked, at, I paused, looked at the timer. I was like, seven minutes to go, and we're still not even talking Loch Ness monster. Homer has got an Act Three pitcher burns though. Oh yeah, <laughs> that didn't go well, did it? Good thing those lesbians knew CPR. Oh, what's the use? I'll never be a popular, beloved billionaire like Arthur Fortune. Oh, Arthur Fortune. <sighs> You know what that fabulous man just did. He gave the Springfield Zoo two male pandas and got them to mate successfully. (laughs) And a stunt like that impresses people? Oh, yeah. And I'm not easily impressed. Wow! A blue car! If a couple of Chinese bamboo gobblers can win people's hearts, (laughs) 
I'm going to bring them something that man has searched for since the dawn of time. A sober Irishman? Even rarer. Eh. They don't yeah. like that. They on the commentary, they're like, "Yeah, it was really worth it for that Irishman gag." Yeah, yeah, twenties yeah. vaudeville. Just to, uh, <laughs> you're right. Of yeah. all the things, <laughs> and like I do feel. I mean, it doesn't make it better, but I I do think there are cries of help coming from this episode from the writers. Where the next shot is uh, before the act break is them on a helicopter flying to Scotland, and uh, Homer's like, "That was one long helicopter ride." Where it seems like there wasn't a joke there before. The joke is like, "Can you believe it?" Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> as George yeah. Meyer would say later. Now I've seen everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like the uh, I like the description of the pandas. I forget what that was, but Chinese bamboo it, it, guzzlers. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminded me of sandal wearing goldfish tenders from I, uh, the casino episode. I did like hear uh, hearing birds say gobblers. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. I uh, gobbled my share of wieners that day. <laughs> Uh, well, and also the helicopter's arrival, like, it, it feels like a Jurassic Park reference, too, like how people arrived in yeah, Jurassic Park. Yeah, it, it really did, but then there's no, like, music cue to sell it. Like, that could have yeah. been the, the joke. The, we're, again, we're script doctoring here. Yeah, <laughs> I, Alf is a composer, like, he he kind of misread that scene there. Maybe, I don't know, go direct with it. This episode is all about directness and not, not going against your expectations. Also, gay animals are all over the news lately. I just was reading a, a viral story about Two male lions that mm. are uh, having sex in front of tourists in some place. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's a uh, uh, gay. Uh, also, though, this, uh, I feel like that joke uh, about a pandas having sex also horribly yeah. foreshadows Homer versus Dignity as well. Yeah, two seasons we got. Oh, God. that We'll survive it. Once we were to survive panda love, that, that we'll, <laughs> we'll all change the people. We got a low point coming up, too. I don't know if you have the Peter Graves joke isolated. Uh, no, I don't. Here. Dear God. Uh, I wrote, he says, what are they talking about? But the line is, Peter Graves couldn't find ugly at a Radcliffe mixer. And that was, yeah. I was just like, that has to just be, you know, they, John Swartzwelder wanted to make that joke that he knew three people would, would, would be down with and they yeah. just had to let him cause he was a legend. I mean, I had to look it up. It's like, oh yeah, Radcliffe was the, like the female the sort lady of Harvard, lady Harvard. Exactly. Ah. And he's a Yaley. So that is what it is. Oh, but you'd have to like know that. That's uh well, but so it's an old timey joke, but also, I don't know. Peter Graves feels too young for uh, Mr. Burns to have heard of him like he was yeah. in movies starting in like 1950 you know yeah, yeah. but uh often referenced on mystery science theater oh yeah i'm yeah. peter graves <laughs> yeah we did uh, a couple of movies with him at Richter. we did uh, the tehran incident which was a movie they uh, did like right before the uh the ayatollah sort of the, the iran revolution so he's he's over oh. there and it's sort of just this like exotic tehran location peter Whoa. graves walking around they reference uh that the loch ness monster has alluded to both leonard nimoy and peter graves so leonard nimoy i think they're referencing the tv show in search of oh yeah that kids of the 70s remember I've never seen yeah, which they already referenced in the X file, the Springfield Files episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Peter Graves, I think they're talking about. I looked this up. It's a 1976 documentary in scare quotes called "The Mysterious Monsters." The whole uh, thing is on YouTube, but the Loch Ness monster is part of it, along with like Bigfoot and something else. Okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. The the 70s was full of the excitement over crypto animals. Like it was, uh, they, it was easy like fodder for television specials and films. I uh, like there's. 
Venture Brothers did a whole episode about the episode of the mil- Six Million Dollar Man where he fights Bigfoot because like that's oh yeah how excited people were over animals. I like just that. know that's referencing the Venture Brothers, which yeah. is the only reason I know it. But this third act, it is tangentially connected to the first two acts, but you don't need to see the first two acts to just watch this as a complete story, which is mm. so weird. Yeah. Just like well, now we're here, and this is what the episode's about now. Now it's about this. <laughs> I mean, were was anybody here like a Nessie fan or interested? in the mystery of the Loch Ness Monster as a kid? My wife has been to the Loch Ness on a study abroad in college and uh, Burlington has is right on Lake Champlain. It, I can see it from my house, but uh, we have a monster called Champ that lives in our uh, lake, as they say. So he's like the local, mm. minor, low-level minor league baseball team's uh, mascot and stuff like that. So I've <laughs> never seen him. I don't know. Oh, that's fun. I've never heard of Champ before. No, yeah. The... He's our regional uh, regional cryptid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, Loch Ness Monster, I, I watched a few. It was interesting to me but I th- guess as uh, technology improves, it gets less and less believable yeah. as a possibly existing thing. A drone would have shot down Bigfoot by now. We, we figured it all out. There are no cryptids. Uh, yeah, we, we'd have seen, we'd have watched them with all the cameras we have. But uh, the doctor's photo of Loch Ness also gets referenced in here. But that's the famous photograph of seemingly the Loch Ness monster, which everybody everybody is pretty much heavily debunked at this point. I will also I'd talk about random two this uh like they get in some like jokes about scotland being just a gray place full of uh quiet bored people i any any scottish listeners out there what did you think of how your fa- your country was portrayed hmm. in this episode i think they're used to getting shit on by the show yeah that's true yeah but it never, the jokes seem to be like they say i yeah yeah so, like I guess you got them there. They're just the <laughs> emotionless Northern Europeans. <laughs> Speaking of random, they're just like, you know what? Frank and Willie are there. No Smithers. They, they're just there. That's why it's like, what, what, like, how, I mean, they do explain how they got there. I guess, I guess, Will, uh, like, it's not explained how Willie got there, only that Burns is not paying him, but uh, mm. Burns did kidnap Frank. So there's a yeah. reason why. I, I, I considered Willie's payment is the flight to Scotland. Mm. Like, he gets a free trip back to Scotland, which he certainly can't afford. He lives in a shed behind the school so you know that's not bad for payment as, uh, as a local tourist guy there but uh yeah, yes they, they sort of lean into that at the in the back half where they 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 gloss over capturing the monster but then they just they sort of do it they do that twice in this whole uh, <laughs> in this in this last four minutes maybe that's why they wanted to do the Loch Ness monster because like we at the very least can squeeze a bunch of scottish jokes out of this yeah, like, that'll that'll <laughs> fill this time out <laughs> uh but yes let's hear willie's introduction to scotland you really think you can capture the Loch Ness Monster? I mean, he's eluded Leonard Nimoy and Peter Graves. <laughs> Peter Graves couldn't find ugly at a Radcliffe mixer. Hi, <clears throat> hey, let's see now. We have the Monsterometer, Flipper Finder, Hoaxoscope, which is important for the looking and the finding. Ugh, the whole town's turned out. I've never seen them so excited. Hey, Willie, <laughs> that old couple looks just like you. Hey, he's my ma and pa. They own a tavern hereabouts. They still have the same pool table in which I was conceived, born, and educated. <laughs> That's good. Oh, yeah. So you're back, son? Aye. I suppose you'll be leaving soon. Aye. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good uh, rule of three jokes where the third one is uh, a good joke. Yeah, <laughs> an unexpected one. He was homeschooled on that pool table. Like that's that's funny, but of course discontinuity, as uh, previously been stated by Willie. 
He didn't cry when his father was hung for stealing a pig, but yeah. he'll cry now. For and I love Lisa, but yep. uh, again, they own up to it on the commentary. Like, yeah, we know. <laughs> uh, I wondered about the, uh, the if the pub they own is the the pub that Homer is in within a minute from this. It's a weird uh, if it's if it is that's a weird thing not to acknowledge, and if it's not, it's a weird uh, sort of uh, tossed off you're, tossed off gag. You're, I, yeah, you're totally right. I think there was more to that because it's like why would they even mention that and then have Homer be in a pub if it's not their pub? But also, then why even build that in if there's not going to be if there's, there's one joke in it too? Yeah, maybe they cut yeah. at least a scene of them reacting to him at the pub or something or I, serving I him. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. It's a good it's a good definition of a pub at least. Like I think it's a good drawing of one. I uh, I also like that he's uh, you would at least think Homer's like been drinking all day in the pub, but he's playing pinball. Like that's that's at least like oh that that undercuts an expectation. Yeah, an easier if they were treating this like some of the other jokes in this episode they would have just been like and homer's blackout drunk at the pub like that that would just be it it's not on this commentary but i believe it was on another commentary where al Jean said it was the overseas animators that goofed with the coloring on the monster hmm. that it was supposed to be green yeah and it was just too much to fix because yeah. there was just so much of it well this was before digital ink and paint so they would just have to like fully reanimate about like three minutes of the episode to get him the color they wanted yeah i know that uh the guy i mentioned at the beginning of the show josh frulinger who runs a blog about the you know the daily funnies in the newspaper will often point out sometimes you know the the unpaid uh 11 year old who's doing these colorings like doesn't know what this is supposed to be and sometimes it's just blatantly wrong <laughs> uh yeah it's uh, i i think i know why uh, how the mix-up could have happened though that like they have three Loch Ness monsters in this episode are like they have two fake ones and then the real one. Yeah. And so the Macarena monster is pink. So maybe that caused the miscommunication that are like, okay, we do that one pink, we do the the homecoming float green, and then we do a purple monster. Well, the colors for animation are often described, I think always described by like a like letters and numbers, like just mm. to let people know these are universal. So these codes are universal. So maybe the wrong one was written down, or maybe one letter was chopped off or missed read and then mm -hmm. carry through to the end of production so who knows but uh I i'm guessing it's something like that but yeah I, I guess the most evil thing burns does in this episode is kidnap frank and uh violently too yeah like, that's uh, yeah, that... he floods an entire town of uh, uh innocent scottish people frank, oh, okay frank that is kills hundreds their major tourist attraction yeah that's true they both frank and burns together kill hundreds of people that's that's true uh yeah also to set this in the time frame a macarena reference on the toy the that's yeah. and it's 99 so the Macarena is a bit dated. So it's mm. funny that like, uh, I mean, I don't think it's the show being dated. I'm thinking like, of course, this this uh, weird trend would take a long time to get to Scotland. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird sort of like ADR. Uh, I thought it was like a visual ADR because they sort of like cut to it. Then he's holding it like in front of the camera to show Macarena Monster, but uh, it is kind of a long insert that feels like they're like maybe people didn't read it. Let's uh, let's pause on this shot real quick. I, I could see that. After uh, we reveal why Willie and Frank are there, uh, things are getting pretty quiet after Homer fails in going into the pub. Oh, my great good God. Gentlemen, your attention, please. I am detecting a gigantic amphibious life form. It's 80 meters long, and it's heading this way. Oh, good life, and it's on my show. It's a, a small frog. Just get off. Just get off there. Just get out of it. Get out of it. Stupid machine. Oh, wait a minute. This isn't the monsterometer. It's the frog exaggerator. We're the laughing stock of the town. Don't worry, Mr. Burns. We're going to find that monster no matter how long it takes. 
Besides, I'm getting kind of used to wearing a kilt. <laughs> Can you believe I'm a size four? Woo! Ugh! Hi. Oh, it's pointless hunting for an animal that has 24 miles of water to hide in. Drain the lake. What? You heard me. Deploy the deluxinator. See, this would be funny. <laughs> the delocinator just yeah. him pumping water out of the, the lock. It would be funnier if this episode wasn't already full of cheats. Like, yeah. you only get so many cheats, and there are just too many happening where I'm just like, well, this is... I mean, like, if this was the one funny cheat, it would stand out as like, can you believe they got away with that? But there's just so much they're getting away with that one more thing to the pile is just like, come on. He yeah. pumped the lock and then flooded the town. And no <laughs> one stopped him, and it was all done by a, like, stringy-armed uh, nerd, too. Yeah. Yeah, and a, you know, wacky, so wacky episode like yeah. this. It's... Uh, I think, though, it's also an execution because, like, in Merkin episodes did have crazy stuff like this, too. Like, the yeah. homie the clown has some really crazy shit that happens, but I think it's it's more, it's presented better. It's, like, more arched and ridiculous and, like... It's the, not just, like, a, a man pumps a thing dry and that's it. There's more to it. Yeah. There's, more, there's more of a clever twist to it. The delivery is is stronger of the ridiculousness, and this uh, this does feel just a little like more tired and then like a a minute later there's another mega huge story cheat oh my god is there yes yeah so yeah they they drain the entire lake uh, the lock kill everybody in town uh somehow that's not an international crime and it doesn't put (laughs) frank and burns on a tribunal or anything um and then they have a joke that there's a float there, which I do like the design of the float, though I, I don't think Scottish high schools have homecoming like we do. I don't know. C- uh, c- uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Scott. Of all the things going on in this episode, I think that's one <laughs> we, we shouldn't dwell on. Like, I, is there really homecoming? Come on. I do like Homer's Aberdeen rules. I do like yeah. that. But he immediately did, like picks a side. Uh, but then in like another extreme crazy joke, they clearly miss like a 30 foot uh, 30 story tall monster that smashes the Loch Ness monster float there and I just remember watching this the first time and seeing like the the Godzilla style pan up and and monster cry of Nessie and I'm just like this just really happened like even in even in the craziest non Halloween episode of the show they would have had an, a slightly realistic excuse of just like oh well we think that's Nessie or it turns out to be a robot by somebody or any yeah. other thing but they're just like no 100% the Loch Ness monster the missing link this ancient dinosaur is real and would also not die if you emptied the lock and <laughs> is is 60 feet tall and sounds like godzilla it's just like and will work at a casino it's all yeah. too extreme it's all the too fact extreme. that they did a did do a you know a great halloween bit of king homer where they echo so many of these similar beats yeah. of this back, uh, third is uh is also just like ah i feel like i've seen it done better yeah, you know what? That also did hurt it for me. That from this point on in the episode, it is the King Homer short from Treehouse Three, which like it it just reminds you of how funnier that was. I will say they have a really funny twist on that, though. I I do like the uh, the twist that we'll talk about later. I think that's one of the few very salvageable things from this episode. <laughs> 
but yes, the the design of Nessie when you see her, it reminded me of Purplesaurus Rex, the uh, the Kool Aid oh, yeah. flavor. <laughs> I believe there was like a mac and cheese mascot too, Cheezosaurus oh, yeah, Rex. Cheezosaurus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are these both craft food brands? <laughs> I think they are. I saw was at a Costco yesterday, and they sell craft like macaroni cheese powder that they just sell the powder as like a, a topping for your food now. Oh so yeah. Get like a canister of Parmesan cheese. I was, I was <laughs> aghast to see that this is what uh, it's come to. <laughs> oh, I'm sad to admit I enjoyed that in my younger days. Uh, well, cause like it's not cheesy enough. My, I like to just pour in a little extra into my Doesn't craft it get mix. Just like gritty then. Uh, mm, good and gritty. It's, <laughs> the salt, the salt and bauxite increases 200% in there. You can feel your arteries hardening. <laughs> so much riboflavin. Flavin, and you know mm. that's good for you. Uh, but yes, they catch Nessie somehow. Got it. Come on, boys, overpower it. Fine. I'll do it myself. That was amazing, Mr. Burns. I was a little worried when he swallowed me, but, well, you know the rest. <sighs> And now for my triumphant <laughs> return to Springfield. And part of the joke you don't uh, hear is that Homer and Willie look at each other like we don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so there is, uh, they don't know along with the audience what Burns did, but another huge cheat. Like if that was the one cheat in this episode, it's a little lame, but mm-hmm. they get away with it. But it just came after the, the lock draining and so many other things that will follow. Yeah. I mean, again, Merkin got away with lines like this, too, like in the Homer's dream of like, and uh, everyone has this particular product, uh, sometimes three or four. Uh, you're All the right. one who invented this particular product. like. But that's at least a joke about dream logic, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. And now Homer can't get the one thing he needs to solve his problem. It's there in his head, but he still can't see it. Yeah, yeah. Instead, this is just like, we all know you couldn't think of a way that they could actually capture the Loch Ness Monster, but you need it to be caught for the next scene to start because there's not much time left in the episode. So fuck it. Like, it it happened off screen. It does feel like something you pitch in the writer's room just to make everyone laugh. Then you're like, you know what? That could be part of the show. (laughs) It's like, yeah, uh, a lot of that was going on in this episode. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's late in season 10. We are just slaved over the past 20 episodes. We need to like uh, chill out now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like we got to go home. We're tired. Uh, so, yes, then it just becomes a King Kong episode for uh, about 30 seconds here. I, uh, but yes, there, there, this is a funny little twist. Yeah, on it. I, I thought this was very funny that uh, apparently George Mayer came up with this and that uh, the monster loves the photography, <laughs> the flash <laughs> photography uh, during the day, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and, and Burns is the one who goes on a rampage. And I do like, Mr. Burns will kill us all. <laughs> fever has gripped Springfield by the throat, and it's all thanks to one man. Montgomery Burns has captured not only a legendary monster, but also our hearts. And by the way, girls, he's single. Single? Well, he passes the Selma test. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And now, presenting the ninth wonder of the world, the eighth being Gomer Pyle's heavenly singing voice, I'll give you the Loch Ness Monster. Thank you, you're too kind. Yes, that's it. Let it all out. Clutch me to your common bosom. Hey, look, he's getting off. (laughs) No, no, stop it, stop it. You'll enrage the beast. No more pictures. You're driving him mad. 
<laughs> I like they even admit on the commentary too. Like this should have taken place at night. It doesn't make or sense. Like this lighting indoors, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, perfect casting for Milhouse to be the boy who points at yeah. the monster. That's good. I forgot I like that was a reference too. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, is that a thing from the original King Kong? Because Barney does that in King Homer too, where he's just yeah. look at the size of that platform. <laughs> yeah. I think it's supposed to be a child that points. Uh, <laughs> that's that's why it's also funny with the look at the size of that platform. The I also I don't like that Burns knows who Gomer Pyle is. Like he should yeah, know he shouldn't. that that. Burns was 65 when that show aired. <laughs> that needs you know? to be another old-timey reference. <laughs> Talk about another one where it just seems like a, a placeholder got used as the... Uh, the first thought got used as the as the final joke. Yeah, yeah. you should reference like Al Jolson or something that. like that. Yeah. Like anything pre-Jolson. Yeah. Some <laughs> vaudeville act, who knows? Other like, vaudeville act. Like, he's a guy who normally think, who previously thought the Ritz brothers is too current for him, but... <laughs> That's true. But now he's aware that Gomer, the of the character of Gomer Pyle, and that he sings very well, which is what Jim Neighbors did in the Andy Griffith spinoff, which I can't imagine Burns would see. Though I guess Burns had heard of Sheriff Lobo in a classic Simpsons. That is so true. I, I could... Uh, his continuity is not on my side entirely there. Uh, but yeah, the sound of the monster loving the attention. I do like that. Like, like the weird purring of the, I guess too, it's just like Nessie, Nessie goes from like Godzilla to a continually shrinking, like puppet monster. Continually, uh, like human, like, yeah, Yeah, it's it's like the reverse of one of those like foam ones that you put in water and it's supposed to increase a hundred times its size. (laughs) Yeah. Also the, I don't know, Selma, Selma should marry Mr. Burns. That's not a bad, that's a story idea for you there. So another joke I do like though, not just that it's Burns is the freaks out by it, but that it does show that like burns can't handle being popular once like he's never been liked in his life <laughs> yeah. and so this little bit of celebrity is like oh i hate this this is awful yeah i mean i guess uh they, they could have found a way to put him into this show but i guess if you want to make an episode about burns needing to be liked you can't have smithers around because smithers uh, is the guy who's always like you know kissing his ass and yeah. always liking him so i understand it but i think there's something missing here without smithers uh being the one that to suffer for burns mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Uh, so then we get to the ending, which, uh, uh, let's just experience it and then we can talk about it. Wait, don't go. Love me. Well, if you wanted people to love you, you sure blew it with that insane rampage. (laughs) But you know what? To be loved, you have to be nice to people every day, but to be hated, you don't have to do squat. You know, perhaps you're right. I got so swept up with the notion of being liked, I completely forgot who I am. I am a selfish old crank, and that fits me like a speedo. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do with our friend here? Throw him in the dumpster? <laughs> no, no, no. I really want to give the lovable scamp a good home. <laughs> Tough luck, Simpson. Come on, Nancy. One more pull. Ah! Okay, okay. Want a shrimp cocktail? Ah. Yeah, they're not great. <laughs> what a what yeah. I, I I kind of admire how what a fart that episode ends on. Yeah, yeah. they're not great. Run then, it into a tree and walk away from its smoking husk. And then like the capper to that is Lisa saying, "Boy, this really sucks." Or yeah. I heard this really sucks at the end. It's just like they they know they know. They know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, boy, that I mean. 
Okay, so good in that is Homer saying, like, throw him in the dumpster. Like, that, yeah. that Homer is just so quick to kill the Loch Ness monster. Like, so immediately callous he is, yeah. yeah. But then going to the casino town, or sorry, Vegas town casino. Yeah. I bet someone was thinking, doesn't Mr. Burns have a casino? Then they realized they exploded it. Yeah, yeah. So they couldn't do that. Instead, it's just the Ve- yeah Vegas town casino, not very creative. For the joke to work, the Loch Ness monster has to go, like, at least half as big as he was in the previous shot. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's a silly, it, it is, when they say on the commentary, they're like, we all just fell back with exclamation points on our heads. Like, that is a last panel of a Bazooka Joe comic kind of arrival at a joke, too. And I I also just don't like that, like, oh, I guess from now on in the world of The Simpsons, <laughs> the Loch Ness Monster is he's a like, known thing, and it works in Las Vegas. He's a croupier. <laughs> That's uh, such what you call yeah, them. They're yes, yeah, yeah. God damn. I yeah. This ending, I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. And I, I also do like right before the the goof out scene goof out. that that Burns even just says, "Oh yeah, I've been acting out of character this entire episode. This isn't <laughs> who I am." <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I feel like I've nitpicked a lot, but it, it does seem like yeah, just uh, if you, you're not ending on a uh, you're not you're not going out on a high note. You're not leaving them laughing. And it's uh, it's funny. They yeah, I think they deserve having that clip of Lisa at the end there because if they are going to take shots at the postman as a creative endeavor, you shouldn't yeah. do it in a weak episode like this one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I again, it's I I have softened to this just knowing that they know it's bad and are and it's not just that they know it's bad but that they can be honest about it on the commentary and uh, that i they say on the commentary like look we work equally hard on all all the episodes it's not that we didn't work hard <laughs> but i do think it was like it was a late night and it just it wasn't their day and they had to get a script out and they did uh yeah that purple i mean nessie should return in the show and just they should visit her in las <laughs> vegas from now on but uh yes yeah and maybe yeah. it wouldn't it even implicated be... in a card counting scandal or something <laughs> and maybe it even wouldn't be that bad if it wasn't a giant purple Loch Ness monster maybe that even makes it stand out more yeah. and it's ridiculous it's harder to get over but yeah, yeah I, I think i've said enough but uh we will survive this people we will yeah. our podcast <laughs> we'll triumph over this bad episode but next episode's a little better yeah yeah and i hope you had fun listening to us uh take it all apart for Mm. your listening pleasure but uh connor uh please remind us what you're doing lately and uh, talk about your podcast too oh yeah you should definitely chum listen to uh 372 pages we'll never get back me and mike nelson from riff tracks and mst3k host a uh, bad book club where we read books we're probably not going to like and uh since we've talked to you last we've done some absolutely batshit books uh, we did one called Trucking Through Time that was written by the guy who dri- drives the equipment truck for their drove the equipment truck for the U- University of Tennessee football team. We're huh. currently we did a, a book by Bram Stoker that wasn't Dracula called Lair of the White Worm that was very bad. Hmm. And uh, we're currently doing a book that uh, you know seven years after the movie Willow came out, what everybody <sighs> wanted was a, a novel sequel to the movie Willow. So George Lucas and a guy named Chris Claremont wrote that, and it is oh, oh, it is bad. oh it's man, one of the, oh, one of the worst man. we've ever 
infrared. It's uh, okay. I I gotta hear this because like I, <laughs> well I I know Chris Claremont as the X Men comic book writer of my youth, yeah. and I liked his comic books. Curious but, pedigree, yeah. But him together with George Lucas in pure prose form, without like both of them depend so much on sta- on gorgeous visuals to yep. distract you from their dialogue. Yep. Uh, it's a it's a grim scene. Um, so yeah, we're we're currently about halfway through that. So come listen to 372 pages. We'll never get back. Check out Rift Tracks. I'm going to, uh, me and uh, fellow uh, writer, Sean Thomason, are going to record our own couple shorts. Oh, uh, cool. Next, next week or two. Uh, we found some good ones of uh, that we, we I actually watched one of them growing up. So it's, uh, they hit close to home. And yeah, we're always releasing fun stuff over there. And uh, yeah, if you come see me at Sketchfest, I would, uh, I would very much enjoy that. I uh, hope to see you guys there. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we can't wait to see you. Thanks so much, Connor, for doing the show again. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. So thanks so much to Connor Lestoka for everything he's done, including this episode. And check out his stuff at rifttracks.com, his podcast, and check out his Sketchfest show if you're going to be in town for ours. Uh, but as for us, if you want to support our show and get every episode one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons. And for the low price of five bucks a month, you'll get just that and also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That includes all of our miniseries to date, which also includes the one that just rolled out recently that's talking futurama season two part one that'll be wrapping up by the end of 2019 but if you're not on the patreon you can listen to all of it and a hundred plus bonus podcasts that you haven't heard yet if you like listening to our voices there's so much you haven't heard if you're not on the patreon at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and henry can tell everybody out there what is happening at the ten dollar level one extra long supersized podcast every month that's voted on by our patrons that is correct. That's the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. For ten dollar and up subscribers there, they get to hear our exclusive monthly podcast about a different animated feature film. We've covered so many in the last year, sometimes for over four hours, and our next one is gonna be great, and you'll definitely want to hear it if you're a fan of the Simpsons. It's going to be The Iron Giant, the Brad Bird-directed classic, which has many Simpsons animator alums working on it. We talk about the cult classic animated film for your listening pleasure, but only for our $10 and up patrons. So please sign up today at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts, the classic gaming podcast every Monday and occasionally on Friday. Please go to retronauts.com or just look for or just look for retronauts in your podcast machine if you enjoy video games i think you'll like the podcast henry how about you you can follow me on twitter at at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g i tweet out whenever new stuff goes live as does the official talking simpsons twitter account that everybody should be following at talk simpsons pod Every time new stuff goes out, we tweet about it, and we also promote our upcoming live shows like the one we've got at SF Sketchfest on January 14th, 8 p.m. at the Piano Fight Bar. Check out those ticket listings. I think they're still available, and we've got a really cool guest you guys are going to enjoy. So please, all of those at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G, at Talk Simpsons Pod, and SF Sketchfest coming real soon. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Next week, we'll see you not for They Save Lisa's Brain, but for a very special episode of Talking Simpsons, and we will see you then.
this really sucks. 